Hello, hello, hello everyone. Welcome to YASP, your African supply chain podcast. I am your host, Stella Jaqueta. And in this podcast, we discuss various topics that affect my beautiful, your beautiful, uncomplicated African supply chains. And today's episode is going to be a little bit different. You're going to be with yours truly, moi. (laughs) And we're going to be reflecting back on really what was 2022 in terms of supply chain. What major events impacted our supply chain, our African supply chains, and discuss some trends that we see going on for 2023. And to start off, economic disruption. You know that your economy might have gone through economic disruption either this year, last year, or even next year, as you can predict. And we honestly shouldn't be surprised with the way economies are now. With the constant increase in prices, be it gas, be it gasoline, be it grain, it's constantly increasing and it's a given in its ever changes. And prices will continue to scale up and it's up to us as supply chain professionals has logistics professionals to to know how to navigate these issues because we can see them coming and it's either up or down, but we can mitigate these issues. And after the major global shutdown due to COVID-19, many of the world economies became unpredictable. One day the government could take this decision, the other day they could change that decision, one day they can open up and then shut it down immediately. We're seeing now, even in China, even though many of the countries, they don't, they, they're not implementing the shutdowns, but in China now they're implementing shutdowns with their zero COVID policy, which is impacting a lot of businesses, a lot of the manufacturing, a lot of, of global trade. So it's very unpredictable and very unstable. And that's why we need to plan ahead. And I was recently reading a book. It's actually a really good book by for supply chain professionals. It's called From Source to Soul, check it out on Amazon, by Radu Palamario and Nat Alik. And they really discussed how global companies were saved by supply chain professionals. You know, sometimes supply chain professionals, they don't get much credit, they don't get much glory. It's often the accounting department, the sales department, the marketing department that gets all the glory. (laughs) And often the supply chain professionals, they get reprimanded for not having their deliveries on time or for high costs within the supply chain. So, and there was this particular example that I really liked and where they said a sales team, they often talk about one sale that went really good. You know, let's say it's, they close like on a sale of 10 million US dollars and they talk about that and they glorify that one sale. Less, and they forget about the other nothing that got rejected. <laughs> and while the supply chain professional talks about the one order that went wrong and forgets about the other nine that actually went right. So if you are a supply chain professional, tap yourself on the back, please. You deserve credit. If you're not a supply chain professional and you know one, please give them credit, you know, appreciate them, send a gift, you know, reinforce the importance really on the business. But going back, 
one thing that COVID-19 taught not only governments, but really business is the true meaning of value-adding activities or value-adding personnel. In the thick of COVID shutdowns, where only essential workers were required on hospitals, government facility, transportation services, only people who were essential were required at those buildings. And in supply chain, it became very true and really quickly what was critical and what was not critical. You know, what was value adding and what was not value adding. For example, a lot of the companies still relied on paperwork. They were forced to put their whole process on a system technology, you know, in order to make their business, to keep their business afloat. And that's exactly what happened during the COVID-19. I think it, it, it literally helped companies to identify what was critical and what was core to them and what was not core to them. And unfortunately, some of them, they had to lay off a lot of stuff because they couldn't keep up having 100 workers to do some of the activities that are redundant per se, but that were not adding value. During COVID-19, communication became paramount. Information became gold. That's why it's very important to really identify what is value adding. What is adding value to my company? What is my core business? Is this supplier adding value or they are just acting from my operations? That's where the thin line comes about. And that's where a lot of companies they discovered during the COVID-19 and improved on their process accordingly. But then as economies started to accelerate, as they started to grow, as they started to get their groove, 24th of February 2022 happened. Hmm. And you may be wondering, 24th of February? I know some of you might be going to Google right now. <laughs> To know exactly what happened on the 24th of February. <laughs> That's when the Russia-Ukraine war evolved. Or I can say, well, there were already tensions between Russia and Ukraine for a long time. But it was taken into a whole nother level. And I was shocked to know how it actually impacted African economies. And we suffered a shortage of wheat. And I went to do a little bit of research and discovered that African consumption of wheat is expected to get to 76.5 million tons by 2025, of which 63% comes from outside of the continent. And guess who are the main exporters? <laughs> Russia and Ukraine, that's right. Uh, they are the major exporters of wheat and sunflower to Africa. And I won't even get started with crude oil, how the gas prices skyrocketed. We could talk here and reflect together for hours. But if you've been paying attention to the news from inflations to flooding in Pakistan, to heat waves around the world, to droughts, to terrorist attacks in Mozambique, all of these are macro events which we do not have power or decision over them we can't decide that i will stop the russian and ukraine war tomorrow or i will get my supply of wheat and happenstance no we cannot decide if the inflation and the interest rate or the prime rate is gonna go up or down in our favor no 
These are events that we do not have control over and we do not have a decision over, but we can influence and we can plan accordingly because they may pop out at any minute and we need to be ready for them. And I give it a new word, like unready with style. We need to be unready with style. Our supply chains need to be ready for anything that might come out because unpredictability and disruption is a given. And I know you might have heard this phrase or these two words, resilience and agility. But just to give a little bit of definition, resilience is the capacity to withstand or to recover from difficulties. It is the capacity to withstand or to quickly recover from difficulties. Any breakdown in the system, any breakdown in the street, how quickly can you get back up? Unfortunately, many small, small and medium enterprises, they did not survive COVID-19 because their design and operations were stuck on a rigid system, which did not give them the flexibility to counteract, you know, they, and then the quickness of changing from one supplier to another might have not been easy for a small, medium enterprise. And also, not only that, for small businesses in terms of the power of negotiation, for example, if their supplier is in China, they break down and they're not able to supply the products. Even right now, China is still going through strikes. Your supplier has shut down because there's a strike on the city. What are you going to do? How quickly can you, can you find another supplier with the same specificities in terms for your, for your product? So it's very important to think about that, not to say that your trusted, trusted partner <laughs> will let you down, but we need to have a backup plan. We need to have a plan because as we've seen together, disruption is imminent. With, it happens to the best of us. It affects everyone, but it's our ability to, how do we get back up from that? And a resilient supply chain is defined by its capacity for resistance and recovery. How resistant would you say that your supply chain is? How resistant is your supply chain to macro events and to micro events within the company? And if there is a breakdown in the system, for example, there is a breakdown on the generator that is used to, for the main machine. The whole chain is going to be impacted. Delivery times are going to be impacted. Storage, inventory levels, all of that is going to be impacted. The retailer, the end consumer, it's going to be impacted because they're not going to have the product on time. So it's very important to identify which ones are the weak links, which nodes in the chain are weak, and how can we back up, get back up from that. And that, that means having the capabilities to mitigate most supply chain disruptions and greatly limit the impact of those that occur. We need to have that capacity of limitate. We can see the danger ahead. And one thing I love about the days we are living right now is that information is so available out there. We cannot say that I didn't know this could be a disruption to my chain. Or I could not foresee because so many companies are making information available in terms of disruption. There's so many case studies, books that talk about disruption in terms of the supply chain or what to expect 
in the five years and the 10 years. So it's very important for us to get a knowledgeable and how can we design our support chains to be resistant to those disruptions, to be bulletproof, I can say, and limit their impact on our chain. And disruptions can come in many shapes and sizes, as we saw earlier. But the point is to be ready to fail and to start again. You know, sometimes it, it happens. It's inevitable. As I said, these emergencies, they may pop up at any minute, but it's very important for us to, if we fall, we need to get back up and do it again. And if you remember on episode two of Yas, Adebayo Adeleke pointed out one of the skills that supply chain professionals are to have now is risk management. Well, mapping up all the risks that are known and unknown that may affect our supply chain, our direct supply chain. You sometimes might underestimate the power that your supplier's supplier have on your operations. So if you build your supply chain to forecast, anticipate, and respond quickly to whatever risks or opportunity the future brings, then 80% of the job is done. Your supply chain is on the right path to become a very robust and resistant and re resilient, <laughs> I can say. And then can be also thinking about what inventory. Do you keep too much inventory? Do you not keep too much inventory? Because if you keep too much inventory, then that's a lot of cost in terms of storage. But if you don't keep whatever comes, you might not have enough stock to supply to your distributors. So it's very important to use the, t the information available, use the technology systems available in order to monitor this disruption and apply to it. You know, it's very much also in terms of leadership. Resilience comes also from the leadership. It comes from the top management pushing this agenda, designing, sitting down with those who are bottom up in the chain and discuss how can you make your supply chain more resilient? How can you make your supply chain more resistant to these disruptions that will inevitably come? And that requires a certain level of knowledge. And then my other point is, or my last point in terms of the reflections is you need to be acquainted with African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement, because I think this agreement, it's the promise, I can say, <laughs> of Africa, the future of Africa, and what where it will take Africa in terms of business and trade. And this agreement is a new agreement, well, new per se, right? It really came into fruition in 2018. <laughs> But it's a, it's an agreement creating Africa's first continent wide free trade area that could generate great economic impact. And this 54 countries, if I'm not mistaken, have already signed and agreed to be part of this trade. And if fully implemented, it could raise income by 9% by 2035 and lift 50 million out of extreme poverty. And I'm dreaming for that day that Africa is not seen as a poor continent or a continent that begs, but is actually a continent that has a voice and determines its own future. And the methodology of this agreement is the liberation up to 97% of the tariff lines of goods produced and traded within the 
continent. 97% of liberation of tariff lines. That is a lot. And I, I was reading recently that logistics, just logistics cost, it forms up to 70% of the product price. So let's say your table, right? Your table that you ordered, whatever country you ordered from, 70% of the cost is just based on logistics. So as you can imagine, this is, this is major. If you can get the tariff reduced, it, it will just have our, our economy, our continent economy a lot. And the agreement also seeks to identify and address non-tariff barriers to intra-African trade. And I believe that if that's my own reflection. <laughs> if Africa can trade, each country trading and specializing on what they're good at, you know, let me just paint a picture. For example, I know that in South Africa, I'm not sure if it's still the same, but BMW, the manufacturer, they have a plant in South Africa. And there is this series of BMW, the specific model that is only produced in South Africa. And which means that South Africa has a voice in terms of that car, you know, in, the, in terms of providing for that model, because no one in the world can get that model, that specific BMW model, unless they go or order from South Africa, you see. But now imagine if South Africa produces BMW X5s and they produce seven, guys, I'm not so good with car brands. <laughs> But uh, let me try, let me try. <laughs> and then in Rwanda, they produce X3. And in Nigeria, they produce X4. And in Egypt, they produce X7. I don't know if that's even available in the market. But, you know, you get my picture. Then we can trade with each other, depending on the demand. In Kenya, can order seven X7 and X5. So they're ordering from South Africa, from Kenya, from Nigeria, instead of ordering cars from Germany, you see? So I believe strongly in intra-Africa trade. And as I said, the cost of transportation is so major because our roads, they're not in good conditions. And the non-tariff barriers can affect the success of the African Free Trade Agreement. And just to give a snapshot, goods within Africa is transported in three major ways, either land, air, or sea. And the decision is guided by the cost, availability, and the distance. Well, can we transport a car? Let's take the BMW example. Can I transport my BMW from Nigeria to Mozambique? Yes. There is roads for that. But imagine the customs that you're going to have to pass through for each country just to bring your BMW by road. Not even taking into account the road conditions throughout all of these countries that your BMW is going to go through. So most shippers, they use the transportation, which is more affordable and the quickest as well for bulk purchases or bulk orders. However, the state of our African ports is still delivering poor services, which results in many delays and inefficiencies. 
That's what you have an idea. A cargo in many of our African ports can stay there for more than two weeks just to clear compared to less than one week in Asia, Europe, and Latin America. That's not even to mention the corruption that goes in there and the kickbacks and the favors just to see your cargo to leave the ports. So do I think the African free trade area agreement is going to solve all our problems? No, there's still a long way to go, but I think it's a very good start in dealing with some issues that have contributed to the um, historical problems that we have, especially in terms of logistics, in terms of distribution and technology. And one thing that I'm really happy, I'm doing this series on my socials where I'm celebrating African supply chain heroes, where I really went on a quest to finding African supply chain companies, African owned, that are doing major things in our African supply chain. And one thing that I've noticed which is a common thread, is technology. How they're using technology for the advantage. How they're using technology to connect with customers, with truck drivers, with global partners, really. So I'm very happy to see that, you know, sometimes we have that misconception that like, no, technology, we're still not, we're still dealing with a lot of paperwork, but hey, technology is here and it's here to stay. And a lot of business bin, businesses are piggybacking on concepts like Uber, you know, in order to making logistics seamless, to make logistics free and hassle-free. So I think it's something that we will see more and more coming up on the upcoming years. And one of the things that I'm happy what this agreement will bring is bring more jobs, bring more expertise, building local capacity. You know, forging more connections, deeper connections between African countries, join regional and global value chains, taking, lifting people out of poverty, you know, because now we're not very much bound by our borders. So, and another thing is that Africa exports to the rest of the world will go up to 32% by 2035. And the intra-African Exports would go 109% led by manufactured goods. So we can consume from Africans, by Africans, our products, our own development. So I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this agreement will unfold on how we as supply chain professionals can also take advantage and how our companies can take advantage of these agreements in order to improve our operations in order to improve our lead time. So it's very, it's going to be very interesting to see. And lastly, our trends for our top 10 supply chain trends for 2023. I took this list from the Association of Supply Chain Management. They are really, I can say, the beacon of supply chain worldwide. And they yearly release the top 10 issues or the top 10 trends that we can see going on moving to the upcoming years. So the first one is big data and analytics. The first one is big data analytics. We're going to see a very much increase. And here in Africa, there's some companies who are, well, foreign investments that are coming and building data centers in Africa. So we're going to see a lot of improvements and 
expansion in terms of big data, uh, digital supply chains, supply chain risk and resilience, as we've discussed about. This is something that's going to continue going over the years that we need to make our supply chain more resilient to risk. Artificial intelligence and machine learning, robotics, data security and cybersecurity. It's something that I really want to tackle on coming this year that I'm going to bring some guests and I'm going to discuss some of these topics. Circular and sustainable supply chains, essential goods supply chains, smart logistics and Internet of Things. And the last one, logistics vulnerability. So these are the trends that you can see going on for 2023. And as a supply chain professional, it's very good for you to see them and to prepare yourself for it in terms of get yourself acquainted with these things you know don't think that whatever happened five years ago it's gonna the same it's gonna happen in the next 10 years you might be absolutely your your information is already obsolete so get yourself acquainted get us yourself knowledgeable with these terms more familiar with these terms i know sometimes we are especially supply chains logistics procurement operations you're often on a firefight mode you know you're putting down fires every day and sometimes it's very difficult to see the strategic you know looking at with the strategic eye as i said before now companies are looking at value adding so how are you adding value at the end of the day and so this concludes our episode our special episode i can say christmas end of the year episode i hope you've learned something and really just to wish you happy holidays merry christmas happy new year and i hope 2023 brings success joy prosperity and everything that you desire of and for all our and i looking forward to a beautiful and wonderful and complicated <laughs> african supply chain year and i believe that africa this year that is coming in terms of supply chain we're taking a notch higher <laughs> so i hope you've enjoyed it like comment subscribe to our to our channel on youtube on our social media which is yas underscore sj on instagram is also we have also have a linkedin page on your african supply chain podcast yas you can look it on LinkedIn. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you next year.